But when I'm talking to pastors about the kind of church that we have, you know, if you meet other clergy, they, you know, like, well, what denomination are you? Or could you describe your church to me? And then I describe the kind of church that we are. They're like, oh, because there actually aren't many churches that are like ours around. Maybe, I don't know, maybe 50 or 60 in the country that come from this sort of sphere that we do doing what we're doing, the way we're doing it. And, um, but the thing I always... Uh, feel like I want to tell them right away is that like we have the most remarkable people like we got all the best people and they're they're remarkable in so many different ways and the really nice thing is most of them don't think they're remarkable or know that they're remarkable so they don't have like the you know Ann Arbor I'm remarkable and I went to this I went to the school of the gifted you know and all that kind of stuff going and um I want. I asked. Um, I sought out Josh Reimer, who never, probably never in a thousand years would ever offer to do this. So, I've actually been working on Josh for this for I would say probably months going on to a year. You know, I have coffee with him. I have lunch with him. I ask him to tell me his his story. I, I ask follow-up questions. And I'm like, he has a really interesting story and I want him to tell it. So the way I got him to do this, I said, I said Josh, I will interview you. And or I think he said, I'll, I'll do it finally because they're, they're moving to Baltimore. And it's like, this is the last chance. And so I said, he, he said, I'll, I'll do it if you interview. I said, great. So we met again, we talked again, decided, yeah, let's do the interview. And I'm happy to report, Josh is like, you don't need to interview me, I'll just talk. And it's like, that's awesome. So if Josh is gonna talk, and you're gonna really enjoy what Josh has to say as a very fascinating take on things. So, Josh Reimer. Well, thanks a lot. Um, wow, that's, uh, you know, it kind of gets me here. Is it, this is for me, I assume. So yeah, uh, this is not a thing that I, that I enjoy, to do, enjoy doing. Um, uh, but I, uh, I was very uh, gratified <laughs> to hear, so I'll give you a couple stories. And um, I, um, I've, been, I've been an atheist for about 10 years, um, and we'll, we'll talk about how I got there. Um, but I, I found that in my workplace and as I, as I move in social circles, that I connect with other people who are like, you know, hey, uh, I don't believe in God. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool, man. I, me neither, it's, it's all right. So I was with a, with a buddy of mine this weekend. I'm saying my goodbyes at work. It's kind of been, frankly, it's been an emotional week because I'm, I got my teammates and they're all giving me this uh, going away thing. So I go, I go out after work and my, you know, I'm talking with my buddy and I, I tell him, I'm, 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 I'm preaching at church today. He's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, um, my pastor wants me to talk about, about this. He's like, wow, really? So last night at 10 o'clock on Saturday night before church, I get this, on behalf of atheists and humanists everywhere, I want to wish you the best of luck building bridges. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, that's so great. Thank, thanks a lot, man. That, that uh, means a lot to me. Uh, so I wanted to get, get that story out of the way. Let, let me, um, 
I did put a little bit of structure here, but a lot of it's just kind of free-flowing thoughts, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to connect rather than me just kind of delivering something. Uh, why I'm concerned about that is because of my, who I am and my personality and my job is very structured and very rigid, and we follow rules. I'm an auditor. So uh, instead of following that, that routine, we'll try to, <laughs> I'll try to deliver something a little uh, more personal. So um, I, I, um, my earliest memories were on the mission field. My parents are missionaries, so that is part of my identity. Um, my dad was a bush pilot and a church planter. Um, there's lots of different flavors of missionaries. Um, and I would love to have discussions with you about all that because it's, it's a fascinating, um, I think, time in history that enabled um, the resources to get frankly, a lot of Americans overseas, and a lot of it was uh, in response to Americans being exposed uh, to other cultures during a lot of our military conflicts. So anyway, um, that wasn't my dad. My dad was um, motivated for different reasons. Uh, but that uh, um, in, in those circles, we have uh, um, an idea, a phrase called TCK, third culture kid, and this um, is is an attempt to describe someone who isn't American, doesn't um, isn't from their home country, isn't from where they are growing up, but is a kind of a hybrid. So that's that's a little bit of. Uh, and the other thing is, I also run into lots of these people wherever I go, business families, people who worked in uh, diplomatic circles. So I connect uh, in my travels around the world. I make a lot of close connections with folks who have had similar experiences. Um, so in the late 80s, when we came back to the US, my family, um, and let's see if I can paint a little bit of a picture of what it's like for a little kid growing up in a, in a remote area in uh, Brazil. So if you know the geography of Brazil, the Amazon uh, uh, River runs through the northern half. And about 1,000 miles inland, there's a town, and that's where I live, it's called Manaus. We uh, would, uh, you know, I was very young, but we would have people come in and we would take them on riverboat, riverboats up the river, up the Amazon River, and, you know, show them the jungles and the exotic animals, and this is very, you know, this is very nice. And, uh, um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good uh, memories. Um, boy, I lost my thought. Anyway. Um, <laughs> You could get the boa constrictor, like lay it across here, you know, and take pictures with it. Um, when we came, when we came back, so the, kind of the way a missionary family works is you live on the field for a set number of years, and then you come back and you visit all of the the churches and the individuals that support you. In Protestant mission uh, missions, you have to get, you have to raise the money that uh, that you live on. So it's not, it's not a uh, quite as formulaic as some of the mainline churches or other things where you can kind of go and you don't have to make those connections. So uh, there was always, um, well, my sister and I would call it the dog and pony show. We all have to come out, get dressed up, put on big smiles. And, you know, my parents would, you know, it's a, it's a sales, sales thing. You're selling yourself in many ways. One of the gimmicks was we had a 
parada on our table. So again, if any of you come from this background, have missions, the missionaries would come to town and you put up your little thing and you put a nice uh, tablecloth down and you have trinkety things and people like wonder at it. This is like Midwest, this is not super, I mean, this, Ann Arbor is a very different kind of culture, but we'd have a piranha and people would like want to touch the teeth, you know? Ooh, cool. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah, that uh, reminds me of my story I was trying to get to. So, uh, one of my earliest memories is I would swim in the Amazon River. And I don't know if you've ever, if you can imagine a dugout canoe, these really long dugout canoes, um, uh, my dad would put a life preserver on me and I would jump out the one side and the river was flowing really fast and he would grab me before I would just swept down the river. And we, this is what we did, you know? And my mom is like, ah, like freaking out. Um, but again, like, you know, just kind of some of the, uh, recalling the, the memories and, and um, yeah, what makes my perspective. Anyway, so late 80s, early 90s, um, the, the re religious um, expression that my parents were a part of was very insular. Um, they, they were suspect of, you know, uh, secular books and music and like, so they were creating communities where you, you didn't ever really have to encounter um, folks who believe differently from you. Um, so that's, that was my experience. I went to private, uh, religious, religiously private school all the way up to um, till I graduated. And then I chose, and I, I think there's someone here, to go to a, a conservative religious college called Moody Bible Institute. If anyone's familiar with it, it is um, uh, notable. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, so some of you get it. Um, so I, um, and this is where I, I, I went into downtown Chicago, and I had, it, it, frankly, it was a little bit of a jarring experience, and I was exposed to a lot more, even a wider array of Chris, Christian kind of um, expressions and uh, um, racial diversity uh, uh, and, and, and encountering like poverty in America. So I'd encountered incredible poverty overseas, but poverty in the US. And um, after a year spent there, I, I came back and I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. But they had an exchange program. And I was like, I'm about that. So, so while I wasn't, wasn't certain I wanted to stick around, I signed up for the exchange program and I went to Ireland, Northern Ireland. Um, they had a, a relationship with Queen's College in Belfast, Northern Ireland. There's a tiny little campus outside of Belfast in a tiny little village called Dunmery where they did some of the theological training. Um, so I was stoked, sweet, I can go overseas, this will be great. And so I spent a year at Belfast Bible College and I met, again, I met a, a whole load of people uh, good connections, and it was there that I experienced, um, so the, the tradition that we come out of is like a Baptist, so it's super heady, it's super about, um, uh, that almost entire emphasis is about scripture, and rightly, you know, determining what scripture says, um, and there's, there's issues with that, um, so, uh, but, I got to experience uh, charismatic uh, 
expression for the first time. And that was just so, um, it, it was really um, an itch that I needed scratching. And uh, 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 Baptists aren't all that uh, emotional, right? So an, um, uh, an emotional expression of, uh, of spiritual, spirituality um, was, was really attractive. So I uh, actually signed up and I, I stayed on. This church was doing work in the community, um, was doing a drop-in center for. So Northern Ireland in the late 90s, they, they signed a peace treaty um, between, you know, this is a very famous uh, warring uh, religions, right? It's complicated, but um, there, there is, um, how can I describe it? Like, there, it, it's, it's poverty, really. I mean, it's, it's uh, an ideology. I, I actually find a, a lot of similarities between our culture wars here and the culture wars that, are being, that were being fought, although physically, physical violence was there. The culture wars and the kind of the, the prep that you have to do to your people to get them to hate another group um, is very similar. Um, I'll tell you a, a, an interesting story. So I realize that when I tell stories, it's, it's uh, about like seemingly very uh, uh, confusing or, uh, things, but um, let's see if you can kind of ca capture it. So um, they have these, these villages live, living very closely together. The Protestants have their traditions, and on the 12th of July every year, they, they get their drums out, and they get their flutes out, and they bang, and they, and they make the loudest music they can, and they walk straight through the Catholic neighborhood to torture these people and show them that we, you know, we're still in power. We have the, the power in this community. And rightly so, the Catholics are mortified and terrified and think that this isn't, isn't appropriate. So then after they're done with their march, they march all the way down to a big pyre that most of the kids have spent the whole summer collecting pallets and couches and stuff, and they put it in a parking lot, and they light it on fire. <laughs> and then they burn the Pope in effigy on top of it. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> but I mean, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you, you can imagine, like, uh, sitting back, and, and uh, luckily, by the time I was there, I was there in the early 2000s, there were another generation of people who were like, this is just so much nonsense. I, um, I don't feel part of my parents who, you know, uh, hate, hate the other side. And they, actually, the, a lot to um, Northern Ireland's credit, there has been a lot of uh, reconciliation work. And actually, kids going to America and trying to, um, you know, uh, trying to experience different cultures. Um, again, in Northern Ireland, the ability to hate and do violence to another person is having those incredibly insular communities where you other the, uh, the ones that are not you. So, um, okay. So uh, I guess that's, that's the backdrop for where I, uh, how I, you know, ex experience spirituality. Um, in that time in Northern Ireland, I, uh, uh, let's see. Ken said, uh, Ken said something to me the other day um, that I, I really re uh, resonated with me. He said, I was listening to someone talk, and they, they were saying like, like quite inflammatory things. And then at the end, they, needed, they, they felt the need to explain that you shouldn't act on these things. And I was like, wow. Um, 
I totally understand that because they're um, in the fervor, uh, spiritual fervor and like um, intensity. I've, I definitely felt that where I was like, huh. You know, I uh, feel quite uncomfortable about this if we're not super explicit that no one should go out and do any of these things, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, again, I'm super gratified that I don't have to, like, experience that in, in these circles, but um, I, I did. I definitely had those kind of experiences coupled with, you know, really, really good and positive um, uh, social interaction. So the other, the other fascinating thing about living in a tiny village and seeing the interaction of spirituality and kind of the telling of stories, because with, with a charismatic uh, expression of faith, there's, you know, there are, um, there's miracles and there's healings and there's, there's things. So you could, um, being somewhat of an outsider, I could see the, the stories like grow and morph, and as they moved, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the stories would flow throughout the, the village, and, and I could go from one house, and then I would know that it had been, like, kind of telephoned around, and then when I got to the next house, I could hear, like, wow, that sounds remarkably like this other thing, but it had morphed and changed, but it was still part of, of the way that, that they saw themselves in the, in the world that, that, that they inhabited, and the the mystery and the excitement of God interacting with, with them. Um, so that gets me to um, uh, kind of uh, 2001 and 9-11 happened. And here in the U.S. we had um, the, the, the new atheists who were critiquing religion and particularly like, um, uh, well, extremism. And... I uh, wasn't reading them at the time, but kind of was able to follow up with them later and catch up with the conversation. And um, I guess the the biggest thing was that there's something called special pleading in um, in logic, where you you evaluate everything in one way, but you carve out certain things and you you don't apply the same standards to them. And I found that I was doing that in my my religious life, and, and I was challenged to, you know, try to think um, similarly about, uh, you know, critique or uh, examine my religious uh, ideas in the same uh, scrutiny that I would any other ideas. Um, so that began uh, uh, like a real effort. So if I can describe how insular it was, in some ways I felt like really behind, behind the times and behind like the, the cultural understanding. So I was voracious in trying to, trying to catch up, um, both in terms of, you know, just culture and movies and film and, whatever, and uh, shows and books and whatever, um, to try to, because, yeah, because, in, in as much as the culture is made up in, a, uh, um, in an insular culture, it is made up of those you know, ideas looking in. Um, if you extract, uh, extricate yourself from that, you're still in a wider context and there's still more to understand about, about that. So you have to uh, make yourself aware of that, um, 
that wider context because you know none of none of us live in a vacuum, right? We all have we all have mirrors and uh, you know people that we bounce ideas off, and you know our idea our ideas come from from a context. So, um, so that's I guess in that in that way I'm very uh, try to be very humble about you know I'm just I'm. I'm here and I'm trying to figure it out and I have like kind of these intuitions about how human societies work and how groups and organizations, you know, people organize themselves and kind of um, motifs in that. Um, but for me, and I'll try to get back on topic here, um, uh, there was a, a particular author that I resonated with, if any of you have heard of Bart Ehrman. Bart Ehrman is alumnus of Moody Bible Institute and had a similar story. Um, very earnest guy, thought he wanted to serve, was intent on serving the Lord, went to school, studied history, is a professor at Duke University now, writes very approachable theological books. So another one of the, another one of the things that, that, you, that you have to come across that you're not always um, uh, prepared for when you go to the, theology school, which is what I did, is there's a huge, huge chasm disconnect between the conversations that theologians and philosophers are having and what is happening on the ground, right? And um, and oftentimes, um, uh, Bart expresses that in, in kind of bewilderment because um, there's a there's just such a big gap. Um, and again, because, because my religious experience and, and the way that God was taught to me was always through the scripture, um, being able to kind of tease that apart and understand, understand history and understand um, doctrine and, and the church and how that's changed and how that's morphed um, was super helpful in me trying to come, come to grips with that. So... Um, Let's see. I think that that's a that's a pretty good uh, that describes um, kind of where I got to. Um, the one thing that uh, that I I guess I would like to say is that fundamentally I think that um, hum, like I I want to or I have the same inclination as Ken to build bridges. I think that humans are humans. We have the same brain structures. We often have this, you know, we have similar experiences. We use different language to express them and, and, um, and that I, I would far rather focus on that than a, than a, a um, you know, something that, uh, that we disagree about. And, and in, that, in that effort, I, I wanted to talk briefly about like mystical experiences. So that it is one of the things that um, that I think maybe Westerners, I, I don't know, we have a difficulty in, in, in figuring out language to express, how, plus it's also super personal, right? So we don't just kind of like waltz out and tell someone I had these weird experiences because someone might look strangely at you. Um, but I said, you know, coming from a charismatic experience, I, I did and still do have mystical experiences. Um, I, use diff I use a different language. I might not say, Holy Spirit, uh, you know, or or like attrib uh, attribute it to anything in particular. I, th I think, and it would seem to me that these are very human experiences. Um, but uh, Crystal was describing the ear thing. Um, I get 
waves of, of like, if, uh, in conversations I've had, I get, like, feelings of waves of rippling of energy is, I guess, the best way I can describe it. The other fascinating, like, thing is I also get, um, if you ever walk up to your freezer, and you open it up, if you close your eyes, you feel that, like, just lightly but distinctly cold. I've had that experience as well. I also did speak in tongues and still do. I can generate... Um, kind of mystical uh, feelings uh, when I speak in tongues. Sometimes I do it uh, on my commute to work. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. I, I guess the, the final thing that, that uh, really draws me to, to a community, um, I guess, is a, is a deep um, concern for uh, our larger our country. Um, in so much um, effort to, to drive us apart and we feel so disconnected that, um, that I want to do anything I can and contribute to trying to connect with people and connect people who think differently and express themselves differently. So I, I guess that's why I'll stop and you're welcome to... you caught that, but an atheist who speaks in tongues and has experiences of what Christians would call the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. So, I mean, this is illustrative of the fact that, like, we have, a, we have an intense need and desire to put people in buckets and to relate to one another out of categories. We do that with skin tone, we do that with sexuality, we do that with gender identification, we do that with politics. And I thought, um, Josh's story is such a great example of how inadequate a way that is for us to regard other people. And, um, you know, like, to think in, we're a church and we think there would be like a, an extreme separation between someone who would identify as atheist and someone like myself who would identify as theist. Like, these would be like poles apart. And yet, my experience of, of knowing Josh these many years is I feel a deep spiritual kinship with Josh like I would rather have Josh on my team than I'd say most Christians uh, right so and I, I thought like our reading this morning which was so well done um, and I, I, it was it was slow so we could absorb it which is great it, to me, it was the heart of what, it's the part of the, the, my spirituality and Josh's kind of connects over, which is, there's this guy, um, Nathaniel, he runs into this other person named Jesus. Nathaniel is interested in Jesus and says, where do you live? And Jesus says, come and I'll show you. And they make a connection and oh, by the way, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, this just happened on a day. And this to me is like the heart of like my faith. It's not, it's not some defined orthodoxy. It's not, are you in this category or that category? It's that connection. And I actually didn't know that Josh had um, mystical experiences until it would be just like Josh to tell his pastor that. 
on the last time we get together before he moves to Baltimore. Because <laughs> he know I would be super curious about that and want to ask more questions. So now's my chance. So Josh, um, have, you, have you ever felt like in, in any sense guided or like um, what kind of impact has that experience had those experiences, which I assume are occasional, they just come mm-hmm. out of the blue, they last for a little while. Looking back, what kind of impact has, has having that experience of, of, a, of a transcendent thing okay. had on you? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm married to my wife because of an experience like that. Oh. So I had, I had a, a dream that... Um, was the impetus for me to like pursue my wife? So yeah. Uh-huh. So so yes. It, um, it, it was a context in which that that was rich, and and we were encouraged to um, uh, to see the world in that lens. Um, again, so while the, that language is part of a community, like for me. Um, in, in, in the religious context, that's super great um, when I'm out with, with other folks and I, uh, I might represent it more as, you know, instead of using the spiritual language, I might, you know, I, I was considering something and like oftentimes there are things in the ether, all I say is, you know, you, you hear conversations on the radio, you hear people talking about it, you know, there's a, there's a podcast or a, a Netflix show, you know, there's, there's things, um, ideas and things that swirl in our uh, in the ether, in our in our worlds, that prompt ideas, prompt ways for us to go and things for us to do. So I I think I'm often tuning into that stuff. Um, uh, that that yeah yeah. Other question is: Do you do you find yourself doing things that to open yourself to those experiences? Like if you've had a few, there are there things that you do to say, like. Mm, make that more possible or yeah sure meditation or just time spent uh in my own thoughts a little bit yeah for sure yeah i mean what some people would call prayer um is is not me talking to a an agent that has intentions for me but is often more like reflecting on things and like uh often you know, it is in some ways what you focus on. So if it's something that I want to lean into, I'll, I'll focus on that thing. Would you have something like a, a more or less daily practice, I don't. or like I don't. a few? It's just when it when it mm-hmm. when you feel a need, you carve out a little something. And yeah. It, yeah, it's interesting. You said that was one of the more difficult things about um, kind of feeling like well, you coming to grips with atheism in that. Um, in a spiritual context, you have um, emotional uh, releases, particularly in, in charismatic. You have ways and language, and uh, you can implore a God. You can, you know, you, you feel like He's um, there's the warm glow, the the feeling that that uh, uh, some, something outside of yourself cares about you, and like like that is super helpful of which I, I left or I, you know, I, I didn't have access to that anymore. Um, but I, I, I have morphed it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
looking back, what was the first time you had an experience like that that you can think of? Like, would it be as a child? Is it, you know, because these things, people just have these things. We don't have the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily, uh, we don't, we're not able to talk to other people about Mm -hmm. them to identify them. So, so what was your, like your first memory of something like this happening? It was in college, yeah, because it, yeah, I didn't, ha- I didn't have language or any, any um, awareness of it yeah. growing up. So what yeah. was that first thing in college? Um, uh, it was in a, in a service. I mean, it, it was pretty un- unremarkable. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you, do you have those feelings also in church, like in in yes. worship mm-hmm. settings, yep. or so, like when, where, how? Oh. <laughs> Um, I guess, well, sometimes I find it in very, like, moving, rousing speeches, too, like that kind of thing. Um, and then I, you're the one who talks about U2 concerts and that, you know, the ability for song and, and uh, set and lighting to create um, openness to those kinds of experiences, you know, yeah. <laughs> I told you, people are so interesting, and Josh is so remarkable. Okay, well, let's give it up for Josh and Teresa. <laughs>